Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, no, it's, it's crazy. People have been sort of, you know, Gamera wrote this lovely thing on Twitter and somebody else it was a great line who said it, that, you know, they're doing their best to, you know, attract, attract people to the Oscars who don't like movies. <laughs> why yeah it's it's oh man and so it's, and my my issue was i don't know are we recording we might as well we're always mention. recording I, yeah we? we're always recording yeah. no my issue That's is what people be, tell me they like that. about this show yeah. is that it starts in the middle of a conversation yeah we all start in the middle of a conversation <laughs> yeah but you know as as you if you cast your memory back i, I find it easy to remember but you know i i went to that show once and yes if they had told me two weeks before air date that they were not going to hand out the writing awards that have been, but that's, that's ego. That's, I can understand that that's not a big deal. What is a big deal is, is it just further marginalizes what these people do in yeah. terms of how they're perceived, yeah. which goes to how they're paid eventually. Oh, you know, yeah. it's a way it just, it just, you know, yeah. these are working people who are being told that the work they do is less important. Well, if they were smart, they'd be movie stars, wouldn't they? Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. You know? Or directors, <laughs> or directors, Joe. Because as we all know, directors do everything. Um, we we get on the levels here because I've got. Wow. This is going to take. We should stop talking now because I have this. It's insane. Um. Wait a minute! I sent myself an email. It was my email. What the fuck was my email? This is the kind of stuff we cut out. Yeah, this is definitely yeah. getting cut out. I had a. I had a. I had a. So you just have IMDb on speed dial there? No, this is not IMDb. I mean, oh. we talk about, like, I don't even know the first time I saw our guest's work. Um, I mean, just sort of random stuff. I know he worked on, uh, he's a great artist. He worked on uh, Little Annie Fanny. I didn't yeah. realize that back in the day with uh, Kurtzman and Elder. He did yeah. lots of album covers. He worked in uh, heavy metal. Um, you had a studio today with Bernie Wrightson and um It was modeled after the Wrightson studio. It oh, was, oh, it was okay. me, Dave Stevens, uh Paul Chadwick, and That's, Richard Hescox. I mean, you know, it's preeminent the Rocketeer dinosaur. Was, Rocketeer was created. Rocketeer there. was created there. Um yeah. he's a preeminent dinosaur artist. He's got amazing books about dinosaurs, the new dinosaurs, new dinosaur discoveries. You've done shows for the National History Museum. He painted twelve murals for the San Diego Natural. I'm not even doing a tenth. <laughs> um, this is the short version. Um, wonderful book called Legend of the Blues, which is a follow-up to a Robert Crumb book. Yes. Um, which I, I have both of them. I hope you'll take this the right way. They're both in my bathroom. I just applied for a Guggenheim to do volumes two and three. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. They will go right next to them. Yes. It's, it's people stay in there too long. because, of, um, of course, you did the poster for Wizards, which yeah. is an iconic poster. You did a poster for a movie I think Joe is familiar with called Rock and The Rock and Roll High School. Rock and Roll High School. That's the yeah. I've never heard. I don't know. Great caricature of Dick Miller. Yes, yes. Um, and, and watching you and Alan in the editing room, which is just down the street from my apartment, it was like watching two kids in a candy store. <laughs> you guys were so excited and so thrilled. You couldn't wait to show me what you just cut. It was fantastic. We were we were excitable then. Yeah, we, we were young. It's such our a whole lives ahead of us. Such a fantastic time to to be in the film. It was business. a great time, and it was a great place to work. Yeah. It was Roger Corman, and if you gave him what he wanted, he left you completely alone. Yeah. Yeah, Roger bought so my first... that's a movie about the rock and the roll, I take it. Roger bought my first screenplay. What? Yeah. 
wait a minute. Let me let me finish. I'm not done with sure. you. Sure. Um, also, a, one of the great production designers and does a lot of other stuff in the art department. And very, he's worked on movies like The Mist, The Prestige. These are just some of them. Pan's Labyrinth, The Muppets, Wizard of Oz, uh, uh, Jurassic Park. Don't don't know what that is. Uh, Return of the Living Dead, uh, House, the the Haunted House one, not the not the Doctor Show. Um, Predator, The Hitcher, Clan of the Cave Bear, First Blood, Conan the Barbarian. Um, I know the one I didn't. You worked on First Power. Yes, I, I worked on First Power. You did? Yeah, who knew? I was on for a day or two. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, um, I don't know. Okay, let's, there's a brand new book out called The Fantastic Worlds, or Fantastic Worlds. I'm giving it away now, The Art of William Stout. Um, Bill Stout is our guest. This is The Movies That Made Me with your host, Josh Olson. And Joe Dante. Left out one credit. Um, it's it's. I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you right now if it weren't for this credit. Yeah. Um, Bill Stout was a production designer on Canon Films Masters of the Universe. Um, <laughs> Bill was also my very first boss in uh, in the show business, and we have known each other for years. Um, he was a thrill to work for. Uh, he's he's just one of the greatest artists in the world. The book again is called Fantastic Worlds: The Art of William Stout. Unfortunately, we're out of time, but thank you. <laughs> You've noticed. That thank you for coming. With Josh, all roads lead to Masters of the Universe. That's yes. apparently yes. yes. Well, they, oh my God. Uh, but anyway, uh, Bill, thank yeah. you. And, and hey. you and Joe have a history, as you were saying. No, you I've, wanna, no, I've known the, since what the seventies. Yeah. Man, uh, for the first several of your films, Mike would call me. Mike Fennell, the producer, would call me. Uh, we got a kids' room. We got any posters you can put in the kids' room? Yeah, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> so because of that, I got invited to all your cast and crew screenings, which was fantastic. If you look through all of Joe's early films, you can see my stuff on the wall. Fantastic, really. Like your your artwork, you mean, yeah. Not your collection. But yeah. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Um, well, thank you for coming in. I'm I'm so thrilled. I can't even uh, begin to to tell you. Um, you're also just on a personal level. You're you're the guy who introduced me to Harlan Ellison, who became. One of my dearest and closest friends. Good old Harlan. For the last twelve years of his life, um, and uh, uh, I, I just I yeah. So I guess I'm finally making up my debt to you by <laughs> exposing you to our massive podcast yes. audience and further expanding your celebrity. <laughs> we'll we'll reach the millions. Um, yeah, but no, thank you, thank you for coming in. I'll stop gushing. Um, hey, glad uh, to be here. <laughs> do we want to tell the story? <laughs> You mean that story that ends with he's glad to be anywhere? Uh, he was. <laughs> so it, it, we, we're, we're in our new studio. We, we, moved, right. we moved from Crossroads of the World to uh, a studio in Burbank. And um, we, <laughs> we told everybody, except we, we neglected to tell Bill. Uh, I, Bill went to the old I studio. I fucked up. I fucked up. And uh, there was no one there, of course. No. And, uh, so, but he graciously decided to not go home <laughs> in a week <laughs> and to come here and go ahead and do the podcast. So That's he, Joe's putting it nicely. It was completely in thought, my fucking. And it while nice. we were waiting for him, I was I had been I'd, I'd convinced myself that somebody at the front desk had fucked up, and I was sitting here thinking terrible thoughts <laughs> about, about stupid people fucking up our podcast, and then and then found out that um, um, the stupid person who fucked up our podcast you should have is, seen is, his is face. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so anyway, enough of that shit. Bill's here to talk about movies. You want to talk? I don't even. You you brought some lists. I did. 
what what's your I did I, I tried to make a list of of obscure films uh I I qualify obscure as if my mom doesn't know what it is oh then, sure then yeah. it's obscure because yeah, yeah, yeah. she's a huge movie nut but uh, she's always my testing ground if, if a picture didn't do well like I remember uh the right stuff wasn't doing well at the boxes office I'd seen it I, I loved the film and I I couldn't understand why it wasn't doing better. I called my mom. I said, Mom, have you seen the right stuff? She goes, oh, that astronaut documentary? Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. That's how the public perceives that film. That's yeah. why they're staying away in droves. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, good good point. Because, yeah, especially on this show, um, people come in with uh, obscure lists, and, and they're generally... Well, I tried even harder with you guys, because you yes. guys are such movie buffs. <laughs> and, and I'm sure Joe... Probably knows everything. I'm sure. Are you, are you trying to stump the band? I'm sure the, the, band, yeah. the band is stumpable. Um, he keeps saying that. Joe gets offended when I. Can, say can you name one film that stumped you that you hadn't seen that was someone was passionate about? Uh, oh yeah, that's a little vague. Um, I can't remember the films, but Jonah Ray uh, actually came on, and he had uh, host of Mystery Science Theater three thousand. Mm -hmm. All right, um, wow. was a wonderful guest because because um, Joe beat him up for twenty minutes and then. <laughs> And that he nice. proceeded to to prove We're that he was a, a serious serious <laughs> film nut, and he had a couple of because um, he knew it was a challenge. He did yeah. five movies you have to talk through, and then five movies it's a sin to talk through. Oh. And a couple of his films neither of us had heard of. But they were the oh. ones that you were supposed to talk through. Oh, oh. <laughs> that made oh. okay. Oh. But nonetheless, yeah. nonetheless, um, and Gilbert Hernandez was was on. In fact, his his episode dropped uh, the day we we're recording this, and he oh. had. One or two that I, I at least had done. What was the one about the guy who smokes pot and turns into a chicken? What? Oh, blood Freak. I blood somehow freak. missed that one. I don't, I do not know Blood Freak. It's a regional picture. Yeah, it's it's yeah. now on my uh, Amazon queue. Which, um, but uh, yeah, so why do you want to start? Are they in any sure. kind of order? I, no, they're not in order. You want to I, just... And I, I tend to really like films that have openings that just go, make you go, wow, okay, I am ready for the ride. Uh, one of those films is uh, It's Alive. It's got a tremendous opening. That's not one of the films on my oh, list, like, though. Oh, yeah, the birth sequence. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's, it's, you know, <laughs> nervous father. Mom goes into the operating room. Father's smoking cigarettes, pacing like crazy, and he's not hearing anything from the doctors. And finally, he looks at his watch. He's been there for a long time, and suddenly someone bursts out of the door, and they're covered in blood. It's like a nurse or a doctor. And he's like, what the hell's going on in there? And he goes inside, and it's a bloodbath. It looks like a slaughterhouse in there. There's his wife laying on the, the table on the gurney, her legs spread, and there's a path of blood leading from her crotch down to the floor, up the wall, and out the window. And that's that's a great way to start. A that's a great opener. <laughs> yeah. I don't even, we got to have Larry on at some point. Uh, I just saw Larry, and I invited him. Oh, that's right. Oh, good. Yeah. Okay. I do, Does Larry have kids? Not that I know of. Because that seems like Maybe that that's be, why. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, that feels like something you come up with the first time you walk yeah. into a yeah. delivery room. I love Larry Cohn movies. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. No, he's... So I've, got, I've got one on the list. So the first film I put on the list was uh, an obscure little film called Grave of the Vampire. Stars, oh. stars William Smith. Oh. And written by David Chase, creator mm -hmm. of The Sopranos. That's right. Yes. And that's yes, got I've a never seen killer this. opening. Really? It's 1950s. A uh, couple are in the graveyard in their car and they're necking, making out. And one of the something comes out of one of the graves, and it's this, it's a guy, and he walks over and he rips the door off their car, pulls the boy out, picks him up, and snaps his back over a tombstone. Then he goes into the car and rapes the girl. Now nine months later, the little baby, uh, baby vampire. Comes, so there's a theme, but the already. baby doesn't Sorry. want milk. 
Yes, of the course. baby wants blood. Yes, and so she starts breastfeeding the child, but with her blood, not with her milk. I'm uh, sensing a. I'm sensing a. Yes, yeah, so connection a here. here with yeah. You. yeah, yeah. So anyway, that, how about that you, Bill? How many cool kids do you have? Yeah. <laughs> issues going on here? Um, is that I want to? Is Michael Pataki in that one? Yes, that's the one. Okay, I think I've seen parts of it. I've never seen the. The whole thing is it is the film hold up? Is it worth? It's okay. Or, it's not as good as the opening. Not as good the opening is <laughs> the strongest part of the film, right? And and I love watching William Smith. Yeah, uh, I got to work with him on Conan the Barbarian. He, oh, sure. He was our yeah. our choice for Conan's father. He's, yeah. he's Conan's dad. Yeah. yeah. What well, what is is the um, Wayne? Did I feel like it became it certainly became a function of the spec explosion in the eighties, which is when I was first starting in the business yeah. and venturing to write where. Just the the rule was your first five pages had to just explode, right? And then it almost and you saw this wave of scripts and then movies in which you had these amazing openings and everything just sort of went. Which, um, but I, was that always? I guess was that always a pressure? Do you think the? Well, I think you know, if just to get somebody to read a script is hard enough. So if, yeah. you can, if you can put the good stuff up in the front, then the chances are they're going to continue to read it before they hand it off. But to I'm the saying I don't, I don't feel like that was such a. I feel like movies. Previous to that, as a rule, didn't seem to be applying that rule. You didn't. No, it's sort of also, knew you were there. And and also, you know, there's there's pre pre the rating system and post yeah. the rating system, yeah. and and th- th- those are all different kinds of movies. And when I, when I was writing my first screenplay, I was writing it with a guy named John Broderick, who uh, was a uh, production manager for for Roger Corman. And and I in my first draft, I had all this stuff going on in the beginning. He goes, "Oh, you just wrote a TV movie." Uh, <laughs> and I go, what do you mean? He goes, yeah, yeah. You you have all this stuff so people don't turn the channel. It, with our movie, people have already paid to get in. They're not going to be right. leaving the theater. Right. So you yeah. don't you can have a more gradual lead into yeah. your story. Yeah. I thought, oh, interesting advice. Different time. Yeah. <laughs> now you killed for that. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Really, Scott said, no way would anyone make Alien now. Oh, for sure. Because yeah, first forty five minutes, no creature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Barely know what's happening. We also got Dead and Buried on the list, 1981 film. Okay. Written by Ron Shusett and Dan O'Bannon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I I, I worked with Dan on Return of the Living Dead. He's one of my favorite writers. Stars James Farentino, Melody Anderson, Jack Albertson, and Robert Englund. Yes. Early horror film for Robert Englund. And another great opening. Guy's down at the beach. He's snapping photos, you know, fishing nets, uh, seagulls, all this stuff. And and he's looking through his viewfinder, and, oh, there's a pretty girl. And she smiles at him, so he starts taking pictures of her, and she starts undressing. And he's like, whoa, <laughs> it's taking a lot of pictures now. And uh, it, gets, it gets very warm and cozy, and then suddenly he's hitting the head. There's all these town people who just do a whole number on him. And you're like, what the hell's going on? Didn't Barry, to me, is like a great hour-and-a-half Twilight Zone. Yeah. Black, black and white film. It it just works nice. There's there's no fat to the script. It's uh, a good, good little Guillermo picture. Do that one. Guillermo. Like that? that was one of Guillermo's first choices to do on trailers for Mel. Yeah, yeah, really. To do a commentary. Wow. Yes. So yeah, I'm waiting. So does she give birth at some point? <laughs> <laughs> to a demon, perhaps. <laughs> do we no, do spoilers? It's a crazy Undertaker movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I've seen. Yeah. <laughs> Have you guys seen Body Melt? Australian, Australian film. film. That yeah. insane. Really insane. 
Yes, I have. I feel like I've traumatically erased it. But yeah, that's that's freaking yeah. bonkers. Tell tell yeah. our listeners about body milk. Residents <laughs> of peaceful Pebbles Court, Holmesville, in Australia, are being used unknowingly as test experiments for a new body drug that causes rapid body decomposition, like yes. melting skin. Yes, and that, and the use for that drug would be. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, that's can, a, I can see the commercials now, you know. Ask your doctor if melting is right for you. <laughs> it's just I, caution. I, may cause. Yeah, I like lurid films when there's a real spirit of sort of exciting fun to them. And this film's yeah. got that. Body Melt's got that. Yeah, and, and I mean, it does. It's got bodies melting. It too. does. So it's uh, bodies melting. It does. And it's really fast-paced. And really colorful, too. Yeah. I remember there's like an incredible palette to that film. It, uh uh, it's it's bizarre. I think for some reason I know. I think there's a Blu-ray of it. I may have, I just saw it in the last couple of years. I have no idea why. But um, <laughs> Ozploitation. Yeah. Ozploit. Yes. Yes. Now I'm going back to what the year that many film buffs consider the greatest year in movies, 1939. But it is not Wizard of Oz or, yeah. or it's Return of Doctor X. It's On Borrowed Time. Oh. Uh, it stars Lionel Barrymore and Sir Cedric Hardwick, Una Merkel. Henry Travers. Henry Travers was the angel in It's a Wonderful Life. And uh, Lionel Barrymore has this fantastic, very close relationship with his grandson. His grandson uh, gets in an accident or illness or something. Anyways, his grandson's dying. And so what Barrymore does, he traps death in a tree. Death is played by Cedric Hardwick. So while death is in the tree, nothing can die. So he's saving his little grandson's life. But that's the... That nothing can die means yeah. horrible things. Like if, if you're in the hospital and you're wounded and you're in enormous pain and you're about to die, no, you're not going to die. You're just going to suffer and suffer and suffer. And uh, eventually Barrymore sees that the whole world is sort of melting down because of what he's done, and he allows death out of the tree. And then he and his little grandson sort of walk upstairs to heaven. I I have been sitting on a copy of that for a year. Actually, I, I really do. I have a, a a copy of it at home, and there's a DVD note on it, and so this is only only to be watched in if if you know when when I'm ready. I can't remember it, but it's yeah. like basically I've been told like you have to be prepared to just ball your freaking eyes out. Uh, <laughs> well, the, 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 the kid Bob's Watson is, yeah. uh, is was known for his crying jags that he oh grabs. I mean, he he really looked. It was like they were sticking him with pins or something. He was like really crying all the time. And it's a, it's a, it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty heartbreaking movie. It's weepy, man. I, I'm a basket case by the end yeah, when I watch that that's... film. I mean, I, I think the one of the films that makes me well, the film that makes me cry the most is It's a Wonderful Life. I've seen it so many times. I cry in anticipation of the next scene. Yeah. <laughs> There's something about that shot of Jimmy Stewart when he gets his kids back that I just oh, I lose God. my mind in that. Movie. Yeah, it's, uh, it's yeah that. that but that's I not also, on his list. That's not. Yeah. What what makes you cry, Joe? What movie is what's what's the one that gets you? And when I look at the grosses for some of my pictures. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I'm 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 gonna stick it. Come on, you gotta you gotta give us real. What's 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 uh, a movie that uh, the ghost of Mrs. This? Muir? Okay, is yeah. great sentimental movie. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 got such a great score. Um, it's yeah. Um, I'm I'm actually pretty big on sentimental movies. Yeah. Uh, 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 what's the Orson Welles picture where he's comes back to Claudette Colbert and he's not really he's 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 the person that he he, he looks different now. It's Tomorrow is forever. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, with Natalie Wood. Yeah. I mean that's a great week. Yeah. Enchanted Cottage. 
Yeah, Enchanted Cottage, Ooh. and, and some Ooh. of the Douglas Sirk pictures. You know, uh, the, there's always tomorrow, where yeah. where uh, Barbara Stanwyck is trying to get back together with uh, Fred uh, Fred McMurray, but his kids hate her, mm. and uh, it, it, and she's uh, going to take him away from Joan Bennett, uh, and he he makes toy he's he makes toys, and he the identification is that he's got a robot toy, that is what he is and the way he lives his life, and it's a pretty devastating critique of the period, mm. you know, the 1950s. Wow. Well, if you haven't seen Hells of Poppin', that's... Nobody's seen Hells of Poppin', <laughs> alas, except us, because it's been out of circulation for years. Yeah, yeah. Right you, you can get I have a gray area. Well, you can't. Yeah. No, there, yeah, are actually, yeah, yeah. there are actually some good bootleg yeah. stuff, and, and you can get it also from overseas. In fact, the overseas copies are pristine because Universal has great negatives on it, but they can't do anything with it because of the Alexander Cohen uh, estate. They produced the Jerry Lewis uh, uh, Broadway version, which right. which flopped. And they own the rights, but they're completely uninterested in doing anything with it. And so while they own it, nobody else can do anything with it. So of all the Olsen and Johnson movies, it's the best one. Yeah. And it's the only one that you can't see. Wow. And yeah, and based on a show that changed every night. Every right? night it was a different wow. show. Holy cow. So I have I have a program for it. And yeah. and it, it's... It, it, <laughs> All, there were a lot of gags that would repeat, but they would never repeat in the same way. I mean, they had a train that came through the back of the theater. Uh, they had a guy running around with a, a plant that kept right. getting bigger and bigger. That's in the movie. Uh, and and the, the, the movie version is tries to do that. They try to uh, find a, a cinematic equivalent. And the cinematic equivalent is that you're watching a movie in a theater and the characters know they're in a movie and they're uh, and they they look they talk it to you and they talk to Shemp Howard the projectionist who occasionally will change the frame and right. change the backgrounds and it's it's a wonderful movie and it's it's inspired half my work that I've ever <laughs> done certainly certainly I can't think of anything off too. And, and for me it's the closest that film has ever come to duplicating Harvey Kurtzman, Will Elder comics. Oh, yeah. sure. Because I, I love when yeah. they break the Those fourth busy wall frames all through the film. People with, with, yeah, little, what Harvey Kurtzman called eyeball, eyeball kicks. Right. Which are little gags thrown in there that don't necessarily relate to the story, but right. it's just chock full of craziness. I mean, it opens up with, with girls being roasted in hell on a, on a big rotisserie. And, and people, and you know, it's, it's just about, time for the war so there's this canned guy and it comes by in a can and canned gal yeah. uh and uh, and it, even though universal felt that they had to try to homogenize it into a, like a musical because they specialized it so there's musical numbers right. but even in the middle of the musical numbers there's like slides that come on and say stinky you have to go home and then and then, then the, <laughs> and then the actors say stinky you got to go home and then a silhouette gets up and walks away and, and, then, they, and then they go back to their song <laughs> it's a it's what's one and, of my very favorite movies. And the dance sequence with the Harlem Congaroo Fantastic. dancers, probably the best jitterbug sequence ever filmed. They seem to defy, defy gravity. Yep. It's astounding. And I love the way they go into that. With uh, You're looking at uh, the cooks, and, and one cook has got uh, like a spoon or a fork and stuff. He starts beating a little rhythm, and the guy goes over the piano, starts adding to it. The guy picks up a trumpet. He has to. Pretty soon, you've got the whole band playing, and then all the... The wait staff start dancing, and it is phenomenal. Drop dead phenomenal. Anyway, you, if, if you if you try hard, you can find this picture. And there are definitely there. worth yeah, it. And it's, it's, I didn't realize there were good quality copies of the. There are. There. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. No, I can Elisha Cook Jr. is in it too. Yes. Um, I can shot. definitely see that in in your Kurtzman inspired stuff. Yeah. That, that yeah. love for those busy frames and. Uh, 
and I, I did a little research. Slim Galliard is in it, and he had a hit back then called Flatfoot Flugie. With a fly fly. With a fly fly, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Why do I so, know that? What is that? <laughs> Probably a cartoon. And Misha yeah. Auer also. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful Misha. And Hugh Auer. Herbert. Yeah. Woo-hoo. So my next one is Once Upon a Time, 1944. Oh. Cary Grant movie. The Caterpillar no, no. movie. Yes. Okay. Cary Grant is Broadway producer. He's down on his luck. He's about to lose his theater. He's desperate for dough. He, he, he doesn't know. He, the creditors are hounding him and chasing him all over the place. And he's walking down the street in Manhattan. There's this little kid that says, you want to see a dance? He goes, what are you talking about? This kid's got a cardboard shoebox with a hole in it. He says, here, you look in here. You know, it'll cost you what, a nickel or a dime or something. And the little boy Curly takes out his harmonica and starts playing. Well, inside that box is a, a caterpillar that starts dancing when Curly plays. And Cary Grant's astounded. And within minutes, he's starting to build this thing into this gigantic show. He's got Walt Disney involved. It's, it's escalating at such a fast rate. But he's made a promise to the kid that nothing's going to happen to the caterpillar. Nothing's going to change. Curly's always going to have him. And he, and he goes back on that promise. And the, and the kid is like, Hey, you, you, I thought you were honest. I thought you would. And Cary Grant smacks him in the face. And it is so powerful. It is so devastating. And the kid looks at him and goes, here, you take the caterpillar. You take, oh. you take him. You're not a nice man. Oh. Ooh. And, and as I recall, you never see the caterpillar. You never see the caterpillar. But at one point, uh, the caterpillar finally goes back to Curly. Everything is is resolved, but then Curly's he's looking for the caterpillar. He's he's frantic. He can't find him. It's not in the box. He asks Cary Grant, you know, "Did you do anything?" No, no, I haven't touched him. And then Cary Grant says, "Oh, look, it's a butterfly." And it's just it's an animated it's butterfly. It's a nice movie. Beautiful animated butterfly flying all Never fluttering seen. all over the room and stuff. Does this does this predate one froggy evening? Yes. This sounds like uh, there seems like there's certain. Yeah. Also got a, a small in a small role, Kirk Allen, the guy who played Superman, Superman. in the serials, and and two of my favorite character actors, James Gleason and William Demarest. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, who usually aren't in the same picture. You, unless it's Preston Sturgis. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't think did James Gleason do Preston Sturgis? I don't think so. Didn't he? I don't think so. I'm so swimming in the shallow end. <laughs> yeah, guys, yeah. Oh, God, Demarest and Gleason. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. well, you know Bill Demarest because he was... Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 no, yeah. I, that's okay. sure. And he thinks we're talking about Jackie Gleason. So it's, yeah. it's, it's, oh, I, I couldn't, I couldn't. <laughs> My three sons. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this one's more recent, 2006. Oh. This, this is a film that my models... I teach a figure drawing workshop every Sunday at my studio, and my models kept coming in and said, Bill, you've got to see this movie. This is your film. You've got to see this film. It is so spectacular. It's so unbelievable. It's called The Fall. Oh, yeah. Direct, directed by Tarsum Singh. Tarsum Singh, yeah. He shot Gorgeous it... Gorgeous film. ...in 28 different countries. Over the course of... Over the course of, of time, uh, right? four years. Right. There's no stages in the film. It was all real locations. Yeah. And... What he did is he made a list of all the places he's always wanted to shoot. And at that time, he was making his money shooting commercials. Well, whenever he'd shoot a commercial that was near or at one of those places, he'd gather the cast and shoot a little bit more of his movie, which is why it right. took four years to make. And you don't know what the movie's about to the end. And what the, the setup is, 
there's this little girl who lives at this hospital. She's got a broken arm. Her arms is, is sort of out, out straight, parallel from her body. And she knows everybody at the hospital. She knows all the doctors, all the nurses, the people who work in the offices. And she knows all the patients, too. And she goes, just makes her regular rounds each day. And she's a really gregarious little girl. Well, there's a new guy that comes in, a young American. He got hurt in a, a stunt accident on making a movie. And she starts talking to him. She introduces herself, and, and he starts to tell her this story. And it's a fantastic story. It's this amazing fantasy. And, and you're seeing it through her eyes and her mind where everyone she knows at the hospital is a character in the movie. And uh, it's got in, amazing costumes by Ico. And he ends, though, ends the story with a cliffhanger. And she goes, well, wait a minute, you you." you you can't stop there. You got to tell me what, what's going to happen. What's going to end. And he, he said, do you know how to reach? Oh yes. He says, well, remember these letters M O R P H I N E and go into the, the pharmacy and find a bottle with those letters on it. You bring that back to me and I'll tell you the rest of the story. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the girl that he got that he cast doesn't speak English in real life, does not speak English. She learned everything phonetically and she would make mistakes Uh and they would incorporate those mistakes into the script. Uh And it's just such a magical film. There's a scene where there's an old man and he's dying. And as he breathes his last breath, a flood of birds fly out of his mouth. It's stunning. And and the locations, you can see why he he had always wanted to shoot in these locations. They're like no places you've ever seen. It's a stunning I mean, just gorgeous yeah. film. Uh, definitely a film you really, if you can see it on a big screen, yeah. see it in a theater because yeah. it's, it's, it's sort of Terry Gilliam meets David Lean in a way. It's really, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cause uh, those wonderful desert scenes. Yeah. You know, with, with, with just explosions of color yeah. in the middle. And uh, yeah. 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 Uh, that, that makes sense. I completely get yeah. Yes. Why? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, one of my favorite screwball comedies is a wacky, it's not really a, kind of a horror film called Murder, He Says with Fred McMurray. Love that movie. And uh, he plays an insurance investigator and he's trying to find out why the last insurance guy that was sent into this hauler in the Ozarks disappeared. Well, there's this crazy family, the Flegals, living in this house. And the matriarch is Marjorie Maine, and she carries a whip, and, and she uses that whip frequently to get what she needs. <laughs> and she's got two idiot sons called Bert and Mert. They're identical twins, and, uh, but one of them, uh, if you hit him just the right way in the neck, he gets a crick in the neck, and he'll go down, and he'll be paralyzed. <laughs> Temporarily. Yeah. So uh, one of the things I like about this film, it makes a reference to another film, uh, Bob Hope's Ghostbreakers, because they're trying to solve. They find out that there's a, a bunch of loot hidden in this house somewhere, uh, hidden by this uh, gun mall, and uh, they have to sort of figure out the clues and the puzzle to the loot. Now there's this little 
sister or, or the daughter of Marjorie Maine, who's sort of addled, uh, and she just walks around with the spacey look on her face, singing this song all day long. Honors flieses and cumbeezes. And there's there's more to the song. But if you listen to that melody, that's the melody to the NPR. Dun 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 dun. <laughs> Which is kind of a weird I don't know if that was intentional or not. Yeah. Huh. But uh, the honors, the <laughs> verses, the honors, flies, and cumbeses are the clue to solving the mystery of where the loot is, and uh, and there's there's Which a music is a, ga- a gag they got from Ghostbusters, right? Because there, there's a musical Ghost part Ghost to Ghost it, Ghost and Ghost and Fred says, "Well, maybe it's like that that Bob Hope movie, Ghostbreakers, uh, where, where you know you play the song and, and something happens." You know? That's funny. So it is just wacky looniness. They've got a big. Uh, uh, table that, that that spins around and uh w- some of the people are trying to kill the other people because they don't want them to get the loot so the this so the soup that they're being served gets poisoned it's radioactive <laughs> and when the lights go out the soup glows <laughs> so they know oh that's the bad soup the bad lights soup. go on and they spin the table and no one knows if they got the bad soup or the good soup and there's also a, a, a dog that gets coated with this stuff too. And he glows in the he dark as he up. howls and runs through the woods. And it's, it's a I'm, truly hysterical, never, wacky I've movie. Heard of, you've seen this, of course. Yeah. Of course, Joe. Yeah. 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 I, I would be really surprised if you hadn't seen it. <laughs> no, no. I, I, that was actually in rotation when I was a kid on TV. Now, here's that New Zealand film, Black Sheep, 2006. Oh. Miles from civilization. I have a dream. For the future. A secret experiment has given birth to a new breed of fear. Bloody animals. Oh, my lord. There's something wrong with the sheep. They attacked us. Oh, nonsense. Oh, God, no. Get ready for the violence. We're trapped. Of the lambs. The sheep are revolting. Aren't they? That is a, a good little movie. An experiment in genetic engineering turns harmless sheep into bloodthirsty killers that terrorize a sprawling New Zealand farm. So it's uh, sort of wear sheep in a way. <laughs> and if you get bitten by them, Ew. you know, yeah, you get infected too. Um, yeah, directed by Jonathan King, written and directed by Jonathan King, who uh, now, I, I actually know. You do? <laughs> yes. Oh, because. When I saw the name, I lit up, but I thought well, it can't be the same guy because there's a Jonathan King who is a pop songwriter, producer, and singer. Yeah, no, that's not him. Who had a hit? Every everyone's gone to the moon. Oh, okay, yeah, no, no, this he's much younger. Than, oh, okay, uh, than, than that guy. Um, what else has he done? Because I, I love Black Sheep. I'd love to see more of his work. I, God, I've, I've, it's one of those. How do I? I don't even remember how I know the guy. We've sort of, you know, talked a lot online over the years. He was, um, oh God, if I get this wrong. It's, it's just, you know, you sort of, there's people you've known forever and you can't mm-hmm. even, you know, 
I'm so happy that you're here. I know where I know you from. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, uh, that little um, office on Laird, I, I, Laird Studios. I think I don't. I think he was a fan of my my goofy uh, fly movie Infested. Oh, cool! And we connected through that somehow. And then wow. uh, a few years later, he's like, uh, "Well, I might. I've done a movie. You want to see it?" And I'm like, "Yeah, sure, fine." What, you know? And then you see this, you're like, "Holy shit! Yeah, this is a real movie." Sheep with <laughs> sharp teeth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's that's terrific. Oh my god. It'll be uh hopefully hopefully he's listening to the show and if he's not i'll I'll make sure he does one of my all-time favorite thrillers is a canadian film from 1978 called silent silent partner everybody likes silent partner silent partner Uh, is is it's my heart you know we do trailers from hell and i have been looking for a goddamn trailer for silent partner for years there's no existing trailer i i'd love to see how they sold it yeah, it's, it's well, such or, a or, or didn't or didn't sell or didn't sell. Yeah. I, I remember it, it walking, won the the Canadian equivalent of the Academy Award, right? But in America, it barely made a break. Yeah. I'm not sure that's a is that a thing? Is that a, <laughs> 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 um, uh, but they didn't give one to any cinematographers that year. No, <laughs> no. I did you see? I saw that. I still don't know why. I think I just wandered into a theater because huh. something else I'd want to see was sold out or something, oh. and just walked in with no expectations. Oh, just, what a great way to see it! Holy. You know who wrote it? Oh, I know. Curtis Hansen, LA so, Confidential. So several years back, um, my my then agents, I don't think I've told this story on here before. Ah, whatever. Um, I get this phone call from them. They're like, uh, you know, Curtis Hansen. They knew I was a huge fan of this film. He's yeah. like, he's thinking of doing a remake of Silent Park. Ooh. And he'd like to talk to you about writing it. And I'd met him briefly a few times. And sort of, you know, we, we intersected. And I thought that's interesting because he... How could you improve on it? Well, yeah, no, well, no, but like, why would you know? I know he he had some, he wrote it and directed, and I'm, mm, we right. we always think we could do better. Oh, sure. Usually we're right, but um, I thought if Curtis is going to do this thing, yeah. uh, um, why why wouldn't he want to write it himself? Like, yeah, I'll go to that. Oh, meeting. Yeah, that's weird. And I get to the meeting and we talk for a couple of minutes, and it turns out his agents have told him that Josh Olson had a great idea for a remake of Silent Partner. The, <laughs> oh. I had no idea if they were just doing this because they and we just we, we laughed, we sat around, we talked about film noir for about an hour. Oh. And he gave me a copy of the wow. book. It's a Swedish book uh-huh. that Silent Partner is based on. Wow. Um, can't remember the title of it. And there is actually a Swedish or Norwegian film. Do you know about it? that? Um, I tracked down a couple years ago uh, that is more faithful to the book, which oh. really gives you a sense. I mean, I don't want to knock the film, but it's um, one of those insane things where I finally got a copy of the film. It didn't have subtitles. I had yeah. to go on the internet and find subtitles and then marry them <laughs> so I could watch this thing. The subtitles were terrible, but wow. but it, it becomes a completely different film halfway through. Huh. And is so much less interesting oh. than, <laughs> and you know, you always knew he was a terrific writer. But you walk out of that film really once you've seen the other one. Yeah. Take a look at the book. He he did such an incredible job with that. It's it's oh my god, I love that film. Yeah. <laughs> I could talk about that all day. Yeah. For did, for those of you out there who haven't seen this film, oh yeah. Elliot Gould plays a bank teller <laughs> and and Christopher Plummer is dressed as Santa Claus and he comes in to rob the bank. And and Gould is so nervous in, in trying to give the money to him that a big chunk of that cash falls into Elliot Gould's open briefcase. Oh no, no, he he recognizes. He's he's um he recognizes uh what is it? the Santa Claus comes in. Right. And he's getting ready to rob the place, but right. the bank closes and he doesn't get up right. to the 
he's already written his note right. on one of those bank slips. And okay. Elliot Gould at the end of the day is cleaning up all the bank slips. And he opens one up and he sees that someone, because it's got the, what is that called? The purple thing right. underneath, the, the, the thing that allows you to make copies. Someone has written yeah. on top of it. Oh, okay. And he lifts it up and it says, give me all your money, I have a gun. Right. And it's got a very distinct G. And the next day he looks out and he sees that Santa Claus has a sign that says, give me, you know, give oh. for Christmas. And he realizes that Santa wrote the note. And he knows what's coming. This uh, is the great thing. He records, uh, he sees Santa come in and he sets aside some of the money that he then puts into his own briefcase yeah. to take home. So he like knowingly steals the money from Santa Claus. So later Santa's at home yeah. watching the TV and they yes. announced the amount that was stolen and he's going like, wait a minute. I didn't get that much. They were near so that much. Whoa. Yes. And, he, and he puts two and two together and figures out that teller has my money. Yes. And so he begins to terrorize this guy. And the thing I love about it is that Gould never plays the victim through the whole right. film. Every time this psychopath does something, yeah. Elliot Gould one-ups him yeah. and turns it on him. Yeah. And, and it's so fantastic to watch that twisty-turny thing going on. Well, it's so plausible to him. He's great in it. But just the yeah. idea of this quiet guy who plays chess, who finally yeah. finds himself in a situation where he gets to use all of his kind of, you know, latent skills as a, as a manipulator and yeah. a schemer and a strategist and, and yeah, I, it's, and Christopher Plummer's fucking terrifying. Oh really. God, he is really, really weird eyelashes. And, Are they remaking it with Kevin Spacey? I think. <laughs> hey, <laughs> uh, that, that, that would be, that would be appropriate. Yeah. Uh, so have you guys ever seen a French film called Tell No One? Oh, sure. Yeah. From, yeah. Eight or nine years that's ago? A, that's in 2006. It's yeah. another one with an incredible opening where uh, a pediatrician and his wife, they're crazy in love with each other. They're out skinny dipping at, in their little lake next to their cabin. And the wife says, I'm going to go in back to the shore, get something from the cabin. And he hears, suddenly hears screams. He starts hauling his ass through the water as fast as he can. He gets to the shore and he sees his wife, a bloody mess on the shore. And then he gets hit in the head and he's out. Now it's eight years later. He's still suffering from this loss of this woman he's loved so much. And he's checking emails and he sees an email that, oh, I don't know who this is. This is a different kind of email. And he hits it and it's a live feed from the, from the Paris Metro. And he's like, why would anybody send me this? And he's watching these people file out of the metro, and suddenly there's his wife, and she looks right at the camera and says, tell no one. Right. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. Okay, you got me. <laughs> I, I've got to see I'm what's going to happen now. And it, it's an incredibly fast-paced film, uh, even those French with subtitles and stuff. You, you, you forget you're reading subtitles after a few minutes because it's moving so quickly. And, and based on an American book. Who oh, is uh, it? Harlan Coben. Yeah, yeah. Who they've been doing. They've done a few of his films over there. Yeah. Joe and I were just talking about for the show about one of my pet peeves is that, you know, there are great American crime movies still being made. They're just being made in France. Ah. Um, Cause that is, yeah, it's, it, there are films like that too. It's not just the source, but you know, you're sitting there watching this French film and yeah. it's so utterly American in, in all the good ways. It really you know, is. It feels like a great American crime film. Yeah. That's a, yeah. And there's a, a, a criminal that helps the doctor out. Who, oh, right. who later he goes to, yes. Who later stars in another a uh, very Hitchcockian film. I don't know if I put that on here or not. Uh, Point Blank. Yeah, 2010. Uh, he plays a, a nurse who saves the wrong guy. Right. A thief. Yes. His henchmen take yeah. his. They take his pregnant wife away. They kidnap her, 
And so he's got to do whatever they tell him to do. And he's an honest guy, and they're making him do very dishonest, right. dangerous things. And that, that's a terrific, really quick-paced film as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good stuff. Uh, now, this next film, you guys, I'm, sh- I'm sure Joe must know this film, but I was shocked that I... I had never seen this film. My son was taking classes at, at Stanford, and he took a class on the history of science fiction films. And I said, okay, let me see the list of what the, the teacher's showing you. And there was one on the list I had never seen. It was called The Day the Earth Caught Fire. Oh! It's a fantastic, yes. fantastic movie. It feels yes. like a documentary. It feels like yeah. you are watching the, the Earth slowly being burned to a crisp while, you know, from the, from the newsroom and stuff. It uh, stars Janet Monroe, who... Some people might know as Katie O'Gill, the daughter of Darby O'Gill and the Little People. And Edward Judd, who was in X the Unknown and First Men in the Moon. Leo yeah, McKern, who was also yeah. in X the Unknown. He's and, so great in this film. And McKern also played Moriarty in Sherlock Holmes' The Smarter Brother. So, yeah, hysterical panic has engulfed the world after the United States and the Soviet Union simultaneously detonate nuclear devices, causing a change to the uh, rotation, the axis of rotation of the Earth. And uh, so it's a race to keep the earth from being fried by the sun. So this, had a, this picture had a lot of verisimilitude because they uh, were very specific about the Fleet Street angle. And it's all yeah. told through news, news, uh, news people. And yeah. You feel in like fact, you're the in the editor of the there. sun, yeah. I think, is in the movie. Oh. Arthur Christensen oh. playing, wow. uh, playing an editor, but also, and, and you can, it's one of those non-actor things where you can tell that somebody's a non-actor, but they're so authoritative that you know that no one else could have done it that well. Wow. Um, and it was, uh, it was directed by Val Guest, Val who Guest, uh, yeah. made a lot of uh, science fiction pictures, but also a lot of movies that were um, had a certain newsreelish quality to the equator mass pictures. Oh. Um, and was, I thought, a very underrated director. Uh, and, and this picture was actually a pretty big hit in 1962. Oh. Um, hit here or hit in here. England or both? In here. Uh, wow. And... Um, I don't know how I missed that. Uh, Universal lost the rights over a period of years, and it sort of disappeared. But I, uh, when Val was still alive, we ran um, a print of it at the Cinematheque with him in the audience, and uh, it got a standing ovation. Wow! And wow. this young girl, who was like maybe twenty-one years old or something, stood up and said that this was the best movie she'd ever seen in her entire life, and uh, and he was just you know thrilled, and he it, it was. When, when you're a director on that level, you don't get a lot of publicity, and so you don't think necessarily yeah. that people are paying much attention. Sure. And uh, he was overwhelmed at how much appreciation there was for this movie, which is still a damn good movie. It's insanely wow. entertaining. Yeah, I mean, I've, really. I've is. Numerous. In fact, um, I feel. But uh, uh, years ago, I got to program the New Beverly for a series mm-hmm. of double features, and tried to link them together sometimes just by genre and. I was going to show, uh, we showed a boy and his dog, and of course Harlan showed up. Yeah. Did, did the Harlan show afterwards, which, you know, can go on. I was we there showed, for that. We, never, yeah. we showed the day the earth caught fire afterwards. Oh. But basically what happened is at a certain point they said, okay, you guys all have to get out of the theater if you want to keep talking. <laughs> so Harlan went outside and said, I'll be outside. And about two-thirds of the crowd came outside and sure. kept talking. A few people stayed behind, watched the day the earth. I remember yeah. people coming out. That's how long we were out front. Wow. People coming out going, oh, my God, that movie was so great. <laughs> it felt so bad because I sort of knew that was going to happen. Wow. But When yeah, I saw that movie in in, uh, in Philadelphia um, at, a, at a grindhouse called the Family Theater, uh-huh. which was in the shadow of City Hall and was specialized in 
triple bills and, uh, and miscreants and killers and murderers in the audience, along with people sleeping and throwing up. Uh, they, uh, the management turned the heat up oh, during to the, outrageous that's levels. Fantastic. And the picture starts in, it, it, everything is yellow and it's all, it's a black and white movie, but, but it's sepia at the beginning because uh, it's, it's the, it starts in the middle of, of the drought. And, uh, people were like choking. I mean, they were, they were, they were <laughs> knocking each other over on, to get to the, the, the it, soda stand. It's almost like a William <laughs> Castle thing. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> it's almost too simple for it. You know? I just well, turned the heat up. Anyway, it's a terrific movie and, and it's, it's, fi- it's findable. Yeah, I think there's even a, a good Blu-ray. There's also, am I wrong? Didn't, like supposedly Michael Caine has a tiny. Michael Caine has he plays a small, small police part officer cop, yeah. or something. Wow. It's one of his first. Uh, yeah. Wow. Well, Richard Matheson was a dear friend of mine. We got to oh. collaborate. Uh, I illustrated his only children's book. It was called Abu and the Seven Marbles. That's and right. in the course of promoting the book, we became good friends and did a lot of signings together. He's always been one of my favorite writers. And. Uh, this one little TV movie he wrote, I think is just a wonderful little film called The Stranger Within with Barbara Eden. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, she's a, a pregnant housewife, and uh, she starts acting strangely and doesn't know why. Uh-huh. She starts to put tons of salt on everything. And uh, it's it's a very bizarre, cool little mystery. Gradually, she starts to realize that her bizarre behavior is being controlled by her unborn baby. Yes. Babies like salt. Yes. Well, alien babies apparently <laughs> like salt. More babies from Bill. That, that was from 1974. It's actually, and there's a DVD of it. I can attest to that. Now you can find Josh. It. Back to Masters of the Universe. Do you yeah. remember who was who was doing the final rewrite on David O'Dell's script? Um, I, was it Stephen Tolkien? Yes. Yeah. Now yeah. is he related to Michael? Yeah, the brothers. Okay, that's what they're brothers. And Mel, who's Mel Tolkien? Mel Tolkien. Oh, uh, their father who uh, wrote comedies. Ah. Oh, okay. Uh, that's right. I know their father. I didn't. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So uh, Michael. third to- brother Zeppo, but he doesn't. <laughs> uh, Michael Token wrote and directed uh, a really cool film, an uh, unexpected film from 1991 called The Rapture. The Rapture, yes. Starring Mimi Rogers and David Duchovny. Young David Duchovny. Yeah. That, that is a bizarre film that does not go where you think it's going. Yeah. For sure. There's a, um, uh, I guess if you haven't seen it, you want to skip skip two minutes, but the, the, I, I have this, <laughs> I don't have a lot of theological quibbles with movies, yeah. but the movie ends with her in purgatory. Yes. Facing God. In limbo. off screen. Yeah. And, and, see how so often is. Uh, yeah. And giving him shit, because I, I don't want to, but he's, he's basically, she feels she's been mistreated by him, and he, yeah. he did her wrong, and she doesn't want to go to heaven, she's going to stay here. And I don't know, maybe this is my, I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, whatever convictions I have about morality, if I ever find myself standing face to face with God and he tells me I'm wrong, my response is going to be, well, I, you you probably know better than I. <laughs> <laughs> it's But the whole thing hinges on her sort of moral issues with how God mistreated her at the yeah, end. It, yeah, it's, it's the big test of well, whether she does, believes or not. He does force her into some rather... Uh... Bizarre action. Sure. Really bizarre, bizarre really, action. He's got. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, you know. But I, I like the way it sort of s- slowly segues into it because yeah. it starts out as a movie about swingers. Right. Sexual, and then a woman who sexual, seems to be having some sort of breakdown or maybe she's yeah. not quite get the, and, and And Mimi Rogers' character starts just noticing odd things. And uh, one of the couples that they're swinging with, this woman has got this very elaborate tattoo on her back and stuff. 
And uh, Mimi starts noticing just strange behavior and strange behavior, enough to give her a clue to, she tries to sort of get into the conversation, and but the, they immediately put up walls. But eventually she finds out what they're talking about, and it is bizarre. It is really bizarre. It's a, it's a cool film. Have you seen the Irish film Grabbers? Oh, yeah, just recently. Isn't that a um, cool? Yes, about the drunks, basically. Yeah, basically a little Irish <laughs> village being attacked by this gigantic extraterrestrial monster. Yeah. But it won't touch you if you've been drinking. Yes. So. <laughs> the concept. So the whole town gathers at the pub. <laughs> it's got a kind of Tremors vibe. Yeah. Very, Tremors very... And, and, and the creature's a little bit like the creature in the faculty. Too. It's got right. lots, lots of tentacles and grabbing things and stuff. It also, for some reason, reminds me a bit of. Uh, do you know the? Um, uh, um, oh my God, the uh, director of Sweet Smell Success, McKendrick. Make, yeah, his yeah. his um, tight little island or um, whiskey, yeah. whiskey I, I galore. Whiskey oh. galore, yeah. Yeah, which is which is what it's about a uh, an island um, during World War II, and a boat full of whiskey being sent to the troops crashes off its coast. And the townspeople go nuts trying to get all the whiskey, basically. But there's, it's a wonderful, yeah. ridiculously entertaining film. But it, it somehow, yeah, reminded me of sort of like a horror version of that. Yeah, this it's terrific. This next one, for me, it wasn't obscure at all. But using the mom test, my mom hadn't seen. It. I was shocked because the star is Tyrone Power, and, and she's a huge actor, acting fan. Uh, it's Nightmare Alley, yes. 1947. Yes. Well, that's not your typical Tyrone Power movie. <laughs> no, that was his own favorite performance <laughs> I mean, of his career. Yeah. You can see why. He starts out at the beginning, you're at a carnival. The geek is loose. The geek is loose. That's the geek. He's got the heebie-jeebies. One of my all-time favorite lines. <laughs> <laughs> and so the guy who is a geek, and, and a geek, for those of you who don't know the, the origin of the term, because it's, it's used in a different way now, yes. A geek was a, a, usually an alcoholic who would do anything for a bottle of booze, including dressing up like a wild man and biting into r- live chickens. Biting the heads off live Biting the heads off live chickens. Yeah. They, would, they would toss chickens. Oh, wow. The, the look on Don or Engineer's yeah. face. Don, that's Don what, was not that's what a geek was. He's, he's, not, a, he's, not, a, he's not a carny guy. He so they they finally grabbed the geek. They got him down on the hey, ground. Tyrone Power's looking down at the guy. He goes, man, how could a guy sink so low? Well, guess who's the geek by the end of the film? It, it's it's very much like Freaks, you yeah. Know, in yeah. the sense that yeah. the, Olga Baklanova ends yep. up as the, the feathered. Yeah, no, it's ba- it's a it's a sure thing that if in the first ten minutes of a movie the star says, "Say, how does a fellow become a geek anyway?" Yeah, that by hour ninety or minute ninety five we'll have found out. And it's got an exceptionally cute Colleen Gray in yeah. the film, who later became the Leech Woman, mm-hmm. and Mike Mazurki, who was. One, heavy of his, one of his better parts. Gazillion films, yeah. And and Guillermo's remaking? Including Murder, My Sweet. Guillermo's you know, remaking Nightmare, Nightmare Alley? Alley? Yeah. Really? Wow. My understanding is he's working on a script with Kim Morgan. Oh, wow. They're, they're That'll be interesting. That'll definitely be interesting. Yes, I'm, I'm rooting for it. <gasps> My favorite Stuart Gordon film is Dagon. Oh, really? Okay. It's, uh, uh, it's a combination of two H.P. Lovecraft stories, yeah. Dagon and Shadow Over Innsmouth. And one of the things I love about it, I was astounded when I first saw the film that there's a chase sequence. It must be the longest chase in cinema history because it seems to take up about 45 minutes of the film. It's just, it's nonstop. It just doesn't let up. And you slowly learn the secret of these strange people. There's sort of half fish, half amphibian, half person stuff. It's a, I love the ambience and the mood of that film. Yeah. It's It's all shot in a little village on the coast of Spain. 
Ah, which, hence, hence the Spanish cast. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we've mentioned Larry Cohen. I love this stuff. Really, I love. I, I'm not a stuffy. I I don't eat the stuff, uh-huh. but, but I love watching that movie. And I love <laughs> I love it when Larry Cohen directs Michael Moriarty, which. Oh, when yeah, I watched mean, that, when, I think when Larry Cohen lets Michael Moriarty do it loose, that's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. I, I was thinking, yeah, he doesn't actually direct him. He just lets him go. And Moriarty well, Michael likes him. I mean, yeah. he's like, well, God, I could, I always have fun when I do a Larry movie. Yeah. But they, he also, I mean, for sure, but he also, one of the things I, you know, when you were talking about, um, um, it's live is, is John Ryan is incredible in that. I mean, mm. Larry gets these great performances out of actors yeah. who don't seem to know they're in low-budget horror films, Yeah, which is fantastic. And, and in that low-budget horror film, he had Garrett Morris from Saturday Night Live. That's right. Both Paul and Mira Sorvino are in the film. Danny Aiello is in the film. Andrea Brooke Marcovici. Adams has a cameo for, you know, uh, from the uh, invasion of, Phil Kaufman Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And Eric Bogosian is in the film. Oh. Well, but uh, my favorite Larry Cohen movie is God Told Me To. Oh, I love God, God Told Me To, which has got Andy Kaufman. Yeah. 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 Yep. Man. Andy that... Kaufman in, in, a, in a, 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 a scene in which he goes crazy and starts shooting people in the St. Man. Patrick's Day yeah. Parade, yeah. shot during the parade. During the parade. With no permits. <laughs> oh! Oh! Oh, well, you know, when he made, when he made wow. Q, uh, you know, he's wow. up at the Chrysler building yeah. shooting off, uh, you know, machine guns and the, and the, the pellets and were all dropping. They into didn't the, have any, they, they didn't know. They didn't they have, sneak up there with they, cameras. Uh, high from that one. Up. It's unbelievable. I mean, I know. Well, and he the, does it all the time. The car chase in, in yeah. uh, Black Caesar. Up on the, up on the sidewalk with they no just, permit. Yeah. They just drove through <laughs> New York on the sidewalk with Fred Williamson. And, and the cops the, would come over and they go, oh, Fred Williamson. Hey, all right. <laughs> Yeah, and, and this stuff has got another great Larry Cohen opening, which is a, a policeman gets called to a murder scene, and this dad has slaughtered his kids and his wife, and he's sitting there, and he's not remorseful at all. He's sitting there just as peaceful, peaceable and peaceful as can be, and the and the detective is grilling him. And he said, what, 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 what did you, why? He says, I, I came home, and, and I, I took the gun out of the closet, and I shot my wife, and then I, I shot my darling little daughter, and I shot my little son. And and the detective, why on earth would you do that? He goes, well, God told me to. <laughs> yes. And it becomes this recurring pattern on the streets of New York. People who wouldn't you wouldn't expect to be murdering people, when they find them, they say, well, God told me to. Yep. Ooh. And that's and that's only a hint of how bizarre it, that yes, picture yeah. gets. Yeah, it gets yeah. more bizarre than that. <laughs> certainly does. Um, love Invasion of the Body Snatchers, both one and two. But sure. I also love three. I love the Abel Ferreira one. I thought it was brilliant that he sits at an army base, so yeah. everybody is dressed alike and hence looks alike in this world of the pod people. Yeah, I, I went back to it a while ago and realized it's, it's um, you know, there's a natural predisposition towards a remake that people go, ah, sure. fuck it. And especially yeah. if you're a remake a great of a movie, film. there's two great movies. Yeah. But... And I, I think it suffers in comparison only, but yeah, yeah. it's a, it's a pretty solid film. Also. Every generation gets the body snatchers it deserves. Yeah. Oh, oh god! Oh. Well, we are due one then. Aren't yeah, we? and it's got Meg Tilly, who or is real just... scary in that movie. Yeah, where are you gonna run? Where are you gonna hide? Nowhere. <laughs> Ooh, 
Man, wait, when's the last scary. one was that uh, Daniel Craig uh, Invasion? Well, that that got so bollocked up, it really ended up well, not really being in a, a remake at all. I'm sorry because I I really like her. I, I loved her. I in, no. Oh, no, no, I don't. And Moulin Rouge. Oh, and Moulin I, Rouge is a. I actually I kind of love that film. I'm crazy about Walters. that movie. It's There's Walters. people who absolutely hate that film. Yeah, of course there are. And and I remember I the first time I saw it in the theater, I was I stood up and applauded afterwards. And this guy stands up. Why are you applauding this film? It was terrible. It was terrible. Uh, 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 <laughs> you sat through it, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you could have left, pal. Yeah. Now you were talking about grindhouses. My favorite grindhouse in the world was the World Theater, on, the Late Lamented. Yes. Where's this? Three movies, ninety nine Boulevard. Yeah. Hollywood Boulevard. It smelled like the inside of an old shoe. Sure. It was well, yeah, we, fantastic. If you were lucky. And they, yeah. <laughs> And they'd have triple bills. And I, one of the first triple bills I saw, I saw because I wanted to see this movie. I wasn't going to see at first until Bernie writes and said, this movie is so scary it made me pee my pants. And I thought, wow, wow, if it did that to Bernie, I got to see this movie. The movie is called Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, well. So I went to, what a perfect yeah. place to see that film. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sitting there waiting for the film to begin, and I hear a commotion in the back of the theater. And I turn around. And here comes six guys in tuxedos escorting Zsa Gabor to her seat <laughs> to watch Texas Chainsaw no, Massacre no. at the, the World, World Theater. Wait, wait, <laughs> wait. It's like, man, only in Hollywood. Whoa. Just oh, so bizarre on so many levels. And did they all sit around her? And... Yeah, three on each side. I know you looked at her as much as you looked at the film. Yeah. What was, what was going on there? Do you think she was... No, no, that film is... Soon... That's true. It's hard it, to look away. As soon as he slams that door... You're on that roller coaster, and it's taking you wherever it yeah. wants to take you. Did, did Jaja stay? They stay for the whole film. Yeah. And then uh, did the they all conversation on the car back? Must have been really. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, darling! Wow, that's but, that's yeah. That if only is, George Sanders was still here, he would love this. That is so incongruous. Yeah. I mean, I I can't even. But that was the World Theater. It yeah. was the you know yeah. it was, well, it was that, a hub. And I mean, we had Cinema 19 and and. Uh, Goldman Theater in Philadelphia, yeah. but yeah, you never got Zsa Zsa. Well, the Goldman was and... once a great theater. The, right. the world was never was a great never theater. Great it was theater. always okay. a grindhouse. No. And I remember I uh, went to see three movies with a bunch of friends, Halloween night. Saw the first two movies, and then the, the people who worked there, the ushers and everything came down and said, oh, we're closing the theater. I have a private party you know, with the staff here. And, and I'm like, hey, I paid my 99 cents. <laughs> I want to see that third movie. And my friends are grabbing my arm and going, shut up, shut up, Bill, shut up. And I'm going, yeah. And I'm starting to get angry. And then I look at what my friends are pointing at. And all the ushers in that theater have loaded shoulder pistols. Oh. <laughs> so, well, you uh, had to. Oh. Oh. Okay. Wow. Enjoy your party, folks. So you left. Uh, so I left. Uh, yes. Boy, I want to hear more about So, um, <laughs> wow, I'm still, I'm still. Well, talk about, talk about Texas Chainsaw sure. Massacre. And I'm just going to try to. Think about what Jaja was experiencing. <laughs> Why she went to see it? Because that film is—I mean, it's—it seems idiotic to say this. It's, but it's so fucking amazing. It is. I, I had not seen it's it in a long time. And were you when they showed the double feature of that in the new print of um, uh, um, *Night of the Living Dead* at uh, the Cinematheque? last year? No, I didn't. Um, I think there was a bunch of Mick Harris was there and a bunch of people mm -hmm. were talking in between. It was a beautiful, it was that new 4K thing of uh, Night of the Living Dead, which wow. looked great. And I wanted to see that. And I thought, oh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I've seen it a hundred times, but it hadn't been a long time. I was like, I'll stay for the first five minutes. 
Oh yeah. I had forgotten. I mean, you just for it's so well directed too. Yeah. He just had this. I, I, it's an incredible film to look at. And it completely owns you. There's just weird, just the way he, sh- I've never seen, just there's that one shot of the van. And it's just slightly off center. I've never seen a shot like that of a yeah. van before. I mean, everything yeah. was just weird and off and smart and creepy. And I wanted to see the movie over and over again because I wanted to see how he did that, how yeah. he accomplished that. And then I'd bring friends who had never seen it. You got to see this movie. And every time we got to the sequence where he slams the door, I forget all about filmmaking. I forget about it. I'm in for the yeah. ride and yeah. it takes me right to the end and I can never analyze it because he just sucked me in. I mean, Twitter. I have a terrible theory. Is it fair to say, I don't want to, because he was such a wonderful guy too. I mean, I feel like that was his best film. Would you? Well, you could say that about Citizen Kane too. And, yeah. You know, I okay. mean, I, but but when, when people make their first films, you know, sometimes, and I know, I know this for a fact, you think maybe this is the only film you're ever going to make. Right. And you try to cram everything into the picture that you can do yeah. because but you I, don't but know. I, but I also feel like with that one, you watch it, there, there's this kind of naive sensibility to it that's amazing. Well, and the fact and that it was shot like, on 16. Yeah. And it was shot makes over it a long time. Like but it's what happened to him over movie. years is people quote unquote taught him how to make movies after he had well they his... taught him how to make a certain kind of movie right but but, but you know he, it... he was shooting on short ends he was shooting yeah. uh, every uh, every other third weekend and you know all that stuff and uh, it, it's a movie that's partly the product of how it was made yeah. and also it's not as gruesome yeah. a movie as no. people always think it is it's no. almost all you think implied. you're seeing all the score yeah. no you yeah. don't see you see the reactions of people yeah and, and that's one of the brilliant things about that Although, film. You know, being hung from a meat hook by your spine is pretty... But you don't but see you it. Don't see well, you don't it. see it. Go, wait, you, sure, okay. No, you, see her, you see her reaction, <laughs> don't but you to. never it's see... Right. Nowadays, they would probably show it. But yeah. And you'd go, ah, it looks fake. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, but no, it's, it's just it's an incredible work. And I, I've always been driven nuts by the fact... I, I, I keep putting this idea out there. I hope someone will take it and do something with it where... I want them. I want someone to come up with an app for your Blu-ray player that will fuck up movies and make them look worse, make them look like old beat-up prints of things. Because <laughs> the one movie I don't need to see a pristine, clean print of. I mean, I've the first ten times I saw a Texas Chainsaw, it looked like you know there were sixty millimeter prints. It looked like someone had found them in a slaughterhouse. Right. You know, they yeah. were. They look like whole movies, which made it more realistic. But that's also part of the grindhouse experience. I yeah. mean, that's one of the reasons I think that the, the Quentin Tarantino runs only 35 millimeter right. at, his, at his theater now. Yeah. Because, and, and, and some of the kung fu movies that he runs are like, they've, they've been around. They've been around. <laughs> they've, they've been playing dry, dry. But how, how great if you could hit a switch on your Blu-ray player and all of a sudden you're incredible Jackie Chan. Well, they tried to do Blu-ray that. They tried to like. do that with Grindhouse right. when, they, when yep. they made that movie. And I the problem, the problem with that movie was that nobody knew what a Grindhouse was. Right. And they had no idea that there were two pictures and half the time people would walk out after the first movie because well there's two of them yeah you know i mean can you imagine living in a world where people don't know about double features i mean yeah. if I, I i lived on double features yeah, yeah. plus yeah. those cool trailers yeah. yeah those amazing trailers they were trying to educate the audience no it didn't, <laughs> didn't work yeah. another film i first saw at the world was raw meat Oh, also known as Deathline. Death the one with um, uh, Donald Pleasance. Donald Pleasance yes. as the oh, detective. A... <laughs> Mind the doors. <laughs> it's it's a, such a bizarre film. It's, yeah. in, a, in a way, it's not really a horror film. It's, it's sort of this strange psychological study. What, what had happened was 100 years ago, and they were building the, the tubes, the subways in England, uh, there was a cave-in. And uh, the people in charge figured, well, it's it's... 
cheaper to just leave them buried there. It's going to be too expensive to dig them out, and plus they're probably all dead. Well, they weren't all dead. They formed a little society, a little culture that lived in there and flourished. What? Well, not exactly. And flourished. occasionally yeah. comes out. He usually yeah. comes out and snatches somebody from the u- upper world, yeah. our world, and takes them down. And the it's down to the last two people and a guy and a gal and the gal's dying and the guy is he's you know obviously doesn't shave he's got a long beard long hair and stuff and the only words of english he's ever heard are what are repeated over and over upstairs in the tube station the doors are closing mind the door so he uses the phrase mind the door to express everything in his life to express tenderness to express anger to express sorrow and I find that film riveting. It's what a what a strange movie. It's it's yeah. It's kind of ghastly. I mean, in a, in yeah, a way. yeah, <laughs> yeah. You you you're frightened of him at first, but then you you go to have some kind of care about him because he's a poor, pathetic last remaining member of, of his society. Yeah. A film I used to show to my kids. It was their benchmark for scary. If, if I would say, hey, I'm going to show you a scary film. Is it as scary as The Gate? There is a passageway to the most evil place you can imagine. A gate behind which the demons wait to take back what was once theirs. And now someone has opened The Gate. Mm-hmm. They love the gate. It's got stop motion animation in it, which I've always loved. And I, I love the fact that you put stop motion in your film. I tried to jam it in every picture I could. <laughs> it's, it's just such a wonderful thing. Yeah. Kids left home alone accidentally unleash a horde of malevolent demons from a mysterious hole in their suburban backyard. Now, what kid doesn't have a hole in their backyard sure. in suburbia? <laughs> you know, so they could relate. Uh, another film similar to... Um, Oh, the rapture, and that is about religious fanaticism. Is frailty? Oh, the, yeah, Bill Paxton, directed by Bill Paxton, uh, also starring Bill Paxton and Matthew McConaughey and Powers Booth. Yeah, and that film really took me by surprise. Yeah, yeah, neat, creepy film. There's a Russian film called Vi. I think that's the pronunciation. V i y. Have you seen that, oh, Joe? Yes, I have a copy of it. It's it's um it, it's supposed to be uh, it's a ghost story. Yeah. And it's and, a, it's supposedly the same story that uh, Black Sunday was based on, which is, oh really, it's not oh oh oh. <laughs> but uh, the thing to watch Vi for is the very end. This uh, guy, a young priest, is ordered to preside over the wake of a witch in a small old wooden church of a remote village. This means spending three nights alone with the corpse, with only his faith to protect him. And at a certain point, he's sitting there, and the walls come alive, and they start dripping demons and ghouls start pouring down the walls and then uh the woman who is dead rises from the dead just does that nosferatu thing of just being horizontal and suddenly is vertical and it's it's fantastic it's just for that scene alone it's worth watching yeah russian yes russian film bill's wearing an amazing nosferatu is that mike mignola that's me that's you oh god i'm not wearing my glasses did this for mondo it's actually turned out to be one of my favorite posters uh, I've ever You can done. get it from Mondo, folks. <laughs> actually, you can get it. From, uh, Mondo did the prints. Uh, you can get it from World of Strange, did the t-shirts. 
Yeah. Well, you'll see it when we run yeah. this because we also okay. have a picture of you. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, have you seen the twenty seventh day with Gene? Oh, Barry? I, I, I happened to just see it last week. Oh wow! <laughs> wow. <laughs> me too. I, I, but I saw it when it came out. It was on a double bill with twenty million miles to Earth. Ooh. Oh wow! Yeah. Um, and it's wow. uh, it's Good a it's a bill. very it, it's strange. It film. suffered it suffered during the past decades as people thinking it's another crap, crappy anti communist movie. Yeah. Which in a sense it is, yeah. but uh, it's much more interesting than that. Oh, it's, way more. It's, it's written. It's by John Mantley, who wrote a lot of Gunsmokes, and it's based on his novel. Yeah, um, but, and Gene Barry and uh, uh, George Voskovic and mm -hmm. uh, Arnold Moss, who is a terrific actor who plays the alien, and he yeah. gives the uh, he gives a bunch of Earthlings who, who are obviously up to no good and going to cause bad things in the universe, as we so often do, uh, and he gives the, us a chance to um, save our world by giving out these capsules to uh, six, I think, six different people from different countries. From different countries. And yeah. the capsules can destroy all life on Earth or they can be rendered harmless depending on... But nobody can open the boxes except the people who are intended right. to open them. And so the, when governments find out about it, obviously... They, they want to get that person. They want to get that person. They want that weapon. That poor Russian soldier undergoes a lot of beatings because, well, make the box open, you know? Um, and, uh, and, and Jean Barry and, and the girl who is British have to hang out at mm -hmm. Hollywood Park racetrack for most of the movie, which I found rather nostalgic because Hollywood Park racetrack is now no more. Uh, wow. And so it's sort of, I think, oh gosh, Hollywood Park, oh, I remember that. Um, it's, it's a, it's a pretty good movie. I yeah. Think. The deal that the aliens make is if you don't use the weapons, they will not colonize Earth. Hmm. Well, there's an, an incentive never to right. use the weapon. But they want to colonize Earth because their planet is on its way out. Right, yeah. But, they're more, but they have their, they have their moral uh, convictions that they can't actually harm living things. The strange film from 1982 was Endangered Species. It was about the, you know, the... Cattle mutilations. Cattle mutilations. Yeah, yeah what? Yeah. Rudolph. Ellen oh, Rudolph. Right. That's Correct. why, yeah, I'm going, there's something yeah. about and that. And it starred Robert yes. Urich and Joe Beth Williams from Poltergeist, yes. Paul and Dooley. White from, Axton. From a, a film I designed a creature for called Monster in the Closet, who's also wimpy and Popeye in, in the great yeah. dad role in Breaking Away. Yeah. Refund. Yeah. Refund. He was so good. He was, he was, he was so just good. fantastic. And it also has Hoyt Axton, who you've worked mm -hmm. with, who was in uh, Gremlins and Buried Alive, and wrote... Uh, Hit songwriter, amazing. Song. Yeah. Uh, Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Wrote that Three Dog Night hit. So. I've I've not seen the film. I know I know. Oh, it's an it. interesting picture. It? It's kind of yeah. a muddle, but it, but it's, yeah. it's 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 there's a lot of interesting things in it. Yeah, it's worth watching. A retired New York cop on vacation in America's West is drawn into a female sheriff's investigation of mysterious series of cattle killings. It's actual. Cattle mutilations, cattle and, mutilations, which were in the news at the time. Uh, yes, you, you no, can see, was, of course, why they torn from today's headlines. The yeah. they, here's what actually movie. happened. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was aliens. Yeah, and then did you ever see Impulse, 1984, with, also with Meg Tilly? Oh, I thought you. Uh, uh, and Tim Matheson and Hume Cronin and Bill Paxton. No, that one I haven't seen. Ooh, ooh, yes. That, that is a picture with William Shatner that has the same title. I was about to say, I thought you were going for Shatner. Yeah, I think oh. that has the same title, right? Well, it originally called Wanna Ride, Little Girl, and then got changed to oh, Impulse. And yeah, well, I will have to wax reps talking about that in a minute. But talk about <laughs> talk about the other Impulse Sure. Film. So Tim Matheson and Meg Tilly, boyfriend, girlfriend, yeah. and they're going, 
to her dad's farm. Uh, uh, they're already having sex, but uh, it, it, dad's very conservative, so they're you know they're staying in separate rooms and all this stuff. And but basically, they're there to tell him that they're going to get married. And uh, weird stuff starts to happen in the town. People acting very out of character, very violent. And uh, then Tim himself starts to act very strange. It's got a really incredible, very sexy sex scene between him and, and Meg Tilly. And I want to, am I confused? Wasn't it 3D or am I completely? 3D? No, I don't. It was not 3D? Okay. I'm thinking think of something so. else. But uh, what happens is they discover, it. you know, it's, it's a, a corporation with no soul or conscience is allowing this poison to seep into the milk supply. It, they f- find out the one thing that links everybody's bad behavior is they've all drinking milk. So, and it's, it, what happens if, if you drink this stuff, you lose all impulse control. Right. So you're slaughtering people, you're raping people, you're, it, the whole town is just going berserk. So that's, I think that's a, a film more worth picking up. Uh, Kyle McLaughlin did a cool little film called The Hidden. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Michael Nury oh, yeah. and Clue Gulliger. Jack Shoulder. Jack Shoulder. Worked with on Return of the Living Dead. And, uh, yeah, that's that's a neat film. Uh, Kyle McLaughlin is, is kind, can be a strange actor, and, and so he's, he's perfect, perfect for that Perfect for role. this, yes, exactly. Um, I met Kyle... Uh, when he was making Dune, sure. we were making another Dino De Laurentiis film at the same time at the same studio doing Conan the Destroyer. And uh, I had several lunches with David and because David Litch and I have all these mutual friends who say, oh, Bill, you got to meet David. You two will hit it off so well. Oh, my God, you're two peas in a pod. And I'm going, wow, really? And I kept hearing this over and over and over. So finally, I'm, I'm down in, in Mexico, and, and I see David in the commissary, and I, I approach him. I said, David, we have these friends in common. And David said, well, let's have lunches together. So we had a whole series of lunches together. I could not connect with him on a single thing. <laughs> I'm like, hey, hey, you like horror movies? Oh, I don't like horror movies. I don't like to be scared. I'm going, are you kidding me? You made Blue Velvet. You don't like yeah. to be scared? This is one of the creepiest movies ever made. And And... I realized that Kyle McLaughlin in Twin Peaks is playing David. Oh, That's yeah. exactly the way David is. David didn't want to talk about horror movies or anything like that. He, he wanted to talk about mowing his lawn uh. or <laughs> this is a really good cup of coffee. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, <laughs> it was so bizarre. Is that guy? Now, at one point he said, he just looked really alarmed. He goes, the boys, Bill, you've never met the boys. I go, I, I guess I haven't. You, you got to meet the boys. Come on with me. I'll introduce you. Okay. So we walk across the lot and we go up to his office and he opens the door and sitting on a sofa are six identical Woody Woodpecker dolls. <laughs> and he said, that's Chewy, Lip, Fred, Stinky, Buzz, and Hannah. Those are the boys. Boys, meet Bill. And what are you supposed to? How are you supposed to react? Yeah, that's what's going through my mind. Is he testing me? Am I? My, you know, I just hi, boys. You know, (laughs) I did not know how to respond to that. It was so bizarre. A couple days later, I'm I'm walking to my office. I look up at David's window, and he's got the boys all peering down at everybody. (laughs) Fascinating. The other thing I thought was really cool about David was he he has never stopped being a fine artist. Yeah. 
yeah. in the middle of making Dune, which was a huge, huge film, big budget, lots of special effects and stuff, he always found time to do his little fine art projects. And he would post them on the walls of, of the studio. And uh, one day I saw a, a thing. He had taken a, a big house fly and he'd taken it all apart and he put the parts on a piece of paper. Yes. And then he wrote instructions on how to yeah, assemble how it. Yeah, how to assemble it. And he, he did and that he with chickens called and called it fly kit. Too. And yeah, he did a yeah. trout when I was there yep. as well. Yep. And he had his comic strip. The angriest and, dog in the world. That's right. With yes. all the all the panels were the same Never except changed. the last yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> no, I worked uh, right after Masters. I worked with Jonathan Sanger, the producer um, of Elephant Man. Uh, Elephant Man. Oh. Yeah. And he had a couple of those. He would go have lunch with David every now and then. But he had a couple of those on on the walls of his office. I love those. Yeah. It was a build your own chicken kit. He called. It. <laughs> yeah. There's a photograph of a chicken all taken apart with <laughs> wacky and and the fish. There's um, a new film out called The Kid Who Would Be King. Yes, oh, Cornish. Yes. Directed by Joe Cornish, who directed Attack the Block. Attack the Block. I love yeah. Attack Everybody the Block. loves. Yeah. Yes. We were just, we have not, I, you have not seen it yet, right? No, I haven't seen uh, it. Yeah, we were just talking Ooh. about wanting to see it. I hear it's terrific. Yeah. You also yeah. wrote the Tintin movie and yep. Ant Man. Right. We were trying to get him on the show, actually. Yeah. Yes. Cool. Yes. Love Attack the Block. Uh, Teen gang in South London defend their block from an alien invasion. Yeah. The aliens picked the wrong neighborhood. Yes. <laughs> it's very cool. That is now, Nicolas Cage is known for his bizarre performances, but I think one of the most bizarre of the bizarre is Vampire's Kiss. Sure. Very strange. It's the bug, isn't it? Yeah. After an encounter with the neckbiter, a publishing executive thinks that he's turning into a vampire, and it is so on, it's the most on-the-edge performance I've ever seen. Well, that's kind of the introduction of that character, or that that aspect of his on-screen persona. He hadn't done anything before that. that not really, not quite like that. Not and quite then, like and that. Then every, always an off key. Everything else got increasingly off kilter. So, but he's, he's uh, you know, I, 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 uh, I, I believe Nicolas Cage um, was sent here to save us all. <laughs> I get such a kick out of anything that he does. He, it's, yeah. it's always unexpected. It's always... The Wicker Man was certainly unexpected. Well, yeah, yeah. they can't all be. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Have you seen Mandy? Mandy? No. Yes. No. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah. yeah. You need to see Mandy on the biggest screen you can. It's, okay. it's uh, came out last year. We had the director on a couple of weeks ago and it's oh. um, unbelievable. It is all, you just, he's phenomenal in it. It's an incredible film to look at. Um, and, uh, uh, but it's, it's, it's the Nicholas Cage you love. Oh, cool. <laughs> Josh, pl- Josh plugs the movie once each wow. time. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, it's, it's, it might, it's easily one of my favorite movies from last year. Now, now this last one is is one I think you guys might not have seen, but it's a film I caught and it was like, wow! It's, it starts out with an astounding chase, amazing chase. Don't tell us the name of it. Okay. Feed us. Let's see if we. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, a a cop is uh, take, a cop. Well, cops. I know that taking his little girl to uh, the bus stop to, so she can go to school. She's uh, dressed in dungarees and a shirt and stuff and. It's uh, her birthday, so he's going to take her out that night to Chez uh, Ronald in McDonald's. And he drops her off and uh, starts walking back, and then he hears her shriek. And you see another g- little girl dressed identically walking down the street. Well, a kidnapper has grabbed his kid, thinking he's grabbed the kid of this rich person. Oh. So his plan is to s- steal this kid and, and ransom her. Shades of but, ransom. But he just stole a kid from a poor cop. Right. And, and he hears his daughter scream. He sees her being hauled into this car, and he just starts hauling ass after him. 
and the car takes off, and then he's he's running through Central Park to try to outsmart the the guy who's driving who's, who keeps getting caught in traffic, and finally he jumps into a cab, and uh, he says, "Just get that guy. Just don't lose that car." And the cab go, oh, "What's what's the matter?" Cab's a Puerto Rican cab driver, and. Uh, he says, that, that guy, he snatched my kid. That guy snatched your kid? I'd drive my car right up his ass. It's Mandy Patinkin as the captain. Yeah, and it's um, it's uh, James Brolin. James Brolin. And uh, what the hell's the name of it? Yeah, I've actually just seen this. Oh, yeah? Um, yeah. Isn't that I Chase know, in the, the beginning uh, incredible? Night, Night of the Juggler. Yes. Night, yes. Night of the Juggler, 1980. Yes. It's also got Cliff Gorman as, yeah. as the kidnapper and Dan Hedaya as a cop who absolutely hates Brolin. At That's, a certain point, he's got... Some to, like automatic whips are to the point of insanity. Yeah, exactly. Do you know this one? I know Dan. Yeah, that didn't. I, I I I feel like didn't Quentin show that recently? He may or I mean, yeah, he may have shown that at the New Beverly. I think I think he did. I think yeah, yeah and and I had a because uh, it's not available. I had some. Crap. It's not on DVD. I, yeah, I check every month. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I've, I've got it on uh, on videotape. Yeah, I have some shitty bootleg file of it that's probably bumped yeah, off video. But really early Mandy Patinkin role. Yeah. And he's terrific. He's just, he lights up the screen. Man. It's like, you know, they're like, they're like driving on Central Park. Yeah. Even the it's streets. It's a great chase. Oh. It's a greasy film, too. It, it just, it sweats. It, it <laughs> does not paint a pretty picture of New York City. That's no. for sure. That is true. That is true. But, um, well, speaking of painting pretty portraits. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I put myself. That's how I put myself through art school. Ah, I painted portraits. watercolor portraits in New Orleans Square at Disneyland every summer Fantastic. and every Easter. And you made people look beautiful. I would. Yes, you get to go on the job. rides for free. Oh yeah. Oh. oh yeah. But but that was back then. I mean, that was no big thing because at that time, this was 1969, 1970. If you paid three dollars and fifty cents, you could get into Disneyland. You wouldn't get any tickets, no rides or anything. But at that time, you could see. All the big bands. I saw Buddy Rich. I, uh, you could see the Righteous Brothers. You could see Paul Bear and the Raiders. You could see the Birds. You could see every band in the world was playing there. And you could see them for $3.50. All the Motown acts. It was unbelievable. So I was doing about 80 portraits a day. I was paid by commission, which is why I did so many. And uh, I was making more money than my dad, <laughs> which was shocking to him because yeah. he'd been at his job for 20 years and here here i was but it turned out to be fantastic training for an artist because sure producing that amount uh, we had we did the three-quarter views and we did watercolors uh, on main street they did profiles and those were pastels so i was working we would the way it would work is i would draw the portrait in, in a burnt umber prismacolor pencil and then color it in with watercolors well, when I first started the job, I was doing what most amateur artists do. It's called petting the line, where you go kaskwitch, 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 kaskwitch. When instead of, well, by the end of the summer, I did that in just one fluid moment, movement. And so it was great for training my eye and hand coordination. I didn't mm. have that little scratchy line anymore. And then also, painting 80 portraits a day really shows you what watercolor can do. I became a terrific watercolorist by the end of mm. the summer. So... Fantastic job. Practice. And pay the rent. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, well, Bill, uh, thanks for helping us pay the rent. <laughs> sure. <laughs> As if we make any money. With our, with our massively lucrative podcast here. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, but no, thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Blast. Hey, and, uh, this was really fun. I'm glad I brought all 30. Yeah. <laughs> did we do 30? Yeah, we did 30. Yeah. Jeez. We ran three hours. Christ. Yeah, I wonder if it's <laughs> 9 o'clock. Um, anyway, yeah. thank you. Yeah, it's dark outside. Uh, it's, that's, those are lights. It's night outside. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> um, and thank you for listening. Our show was recorded in beautiful downtown Burbank. The official podcast of TrailersFromHell.com, the best damn movie website there is. Our engineer is the composer Don Barrett, who also transmogrified, produced, and created our theme song. This is Josh Olson for the Movies That Made Me. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast.